The Start On Demand. On demand. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to the Grey Cup. We spoke to Bob Irving about the big bomber win and what he thinks about the Bombers' chances versus Hamilton in the big game. We also talked to a Bomber fan in New Zealand who reached out to us on Instagram. We'll get some fan reaction and we will recap that heart-pounding final minute of play that went Winnipeg's way. Richard Cloutier and Joe Scarpelli recently spent some time in Minneapolis which has developed a strategy to make downtown safer, and Winnipeg is looking to adopt a similar strategy. And what's the weirdest thing you've ever tried? Have you ever heard of the Sour Toe Cocktail, which is a shot of whiskey served with a pickled human toe? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, November 18th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and what an exciting week this is going to be. Nice to come in on a Monday morning, even though I am I, I'm kind of missing some spring in the step today, Why? Greg, uh, because I may have gone to a buddy's place yesterday to enjoy the football game, and some libations were involved, and uh, yeah, but hey... <laughs> It's a good day. It is a very good day. I don't know how many cardiologists were on standby yesterday at St. <laughs> Boniface Hospital, but hopefully there were a few. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about uh, ingest people uh, suffering with any heart ailments, but that was heart-stopping, heart-pounding action last night on that last minute of football. I think shaved years off of some people's lives yesterday. It was... Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I was just listening. We're going to play some listener calls who were phoning into the post-game show last night with Bob. And I was giggling out there, and I'm late running in here because I couldn't stop listening to this one woman who was like, I tell you, I had to stop and take, I think she's saying nitrile or nitro. Oh, yeah, or her nitro. She's her, looking for her like nitro her heart pills. medication. <laughs> and it's not funny, but I can imagine like that feeling, right? Because I was screaming at the TV, and then I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I really honestly thought in that last, what was it, 14 seconds that it might all be over for us. So, Wow. Well, that's the, that's what I was expecting because so how yes. often has it not gone the bombers' way? True that, and especially in the CFL where it looked like the, there was a minute left, but then Saskatchewan found themselves taking another stab at the goal line, and when that final pass went up, and I didn't even realize that what had happened. I mm-hmm. thought it had just been deflected. Yeah, me too. I didn't realize that it hit the crossbar, and uh, to see Kala- or to see Fajardo go down, just oh my. Devastated. The devastation he must have felt when that happened, but the elation for the bombers. And I even I was standing there with my buddy, and I said, "Did the bombers just win? <laughs> <laughs> are they going yes, to the Grey Cup? Yes, they did. I had that whole thing too, where so I wasn't able to watch the, almost the first half, and then I got home, and I'm li- watching and listening and, to Bob and. And we had been winning. And then when we started to, when it started to go the opposite and, and riders started to catch up, I was like, I think I need to turn the TV off. Like, I, you know, you start to feel that guilt that they were doing well while you weren't watching. So maybe you're part of the problem. So I kept changing the channel and then coming back to it and changing the channel. And finally, I was like, I got to watch this whole thing. Okay. So I, I think in terms of sports history, at least recently, the most common game I think that was compared to was the Jets game yeah. seven against Nashville. And right. didn't you have some sort of effect on the outcome of that? That game based on where you were watching and I, not watching? I didn't see those. I didn't see the well, which goal was it. And then I came running into the house and that's when my husband's standing there and I'm like, do I, should I, do I stay? Do I go? Like, do you want me to, where do you want me? Because you're superstitious, right? But I watched the whole thing. I had to watch that last night. That was exciting. And the poll results, Greg, you tweeted about this. You retweeted 680 CJOB's poll that we had. It was our morning question of the day on Friday. So the poll results at cjob.com on Friday will the Blue Bombers defeat the Rough Riders on Sunday in advance to the Grey Cup. 43% said yes in a heart stopper and 33% said stop it, you'll jinx it. And a very similar result on Twitter as what was the result of that? I'm just pulling up the, the screenshot of that. 
Oh, come on. I, I had it, and now, okay, 47% say yes in a hard stopper. So everyone expected this game to be close, and, and I, but I don't know if anybody expected it to be that close. So two ever playoff games in Mosaic, new Mosaic Stadium, and the Bombers have won both. How special is that? And the Bombers, I mean, the franchise, the ghost of the 1972 Western Final here at Winnipeg Stadium on hollowed ground, so to speak, just about a couple of hundred yards from where we're sitting right now. Those ghosts have been exhumed and dispatched to the distance past based on what happened yesterday. And absolutely thrilling, unbelievable. So the Bombers have won the first uh, for the first time since 1984 the west division championship because of course they spent all those years in the east they've won two great cups since 1984 they won the cup in 84 and they've represented the east five times since then wow so next sunday winnipeg will face the same franchise they defeated in 1984 at commonwealth stadium in edmonton to end their 22 year long drought then the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So 28 seasons since the, the city celebrated a CFL championship. And Hamilton's in a little bit of a drought of their own. They haven't won since 1999. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, how many times can you feel like the game is over? Like you can collectively exhale in relief only to proclaim unbelievable or that's impossible. Well, I would say in the final minute of last night's game, you would be forgiven if you lost count of those proclamations. Here is the final minute of play encapsulated in four minutes and 42 seconds of spell-binding action. Clock running. Justin Medlock on third down and eight from the bomber 17 stands back at his four yard line down to a minute 59 58 there's the snap to Medlock and there's the punt a driving spiral thick pen at the rider 50 and he gets away to the outside look out thick has got speed the 45 the 40 down to the 36 yard line of the blue bombers. 43 seconds is all they'll have. And they need a converted major to tie. Can this defense, which hasn't given up a touchdown all night, only field goals, can they hold on one last time? Powell back there with him. Here's Fajardo back to pass. Pressure coming, and Fajardo is hit. Is the ball on the ground? I think it is. I don't know who's got it. The Bombers say they've recovered it, and if they have, that's going to be the ball game. Yes, Winnipeg has recovered. A blitz off the left edge forced the ball out, and the Blue Bombers recover with 28 seconds left, and you can book the airfare to Calgary. I believe that was a seven-man rush. They had an overload on the left side. Cody Fajardo's still on the field. And the bomber offense is coming out on the field, so They're I don't saying know. incomplete pass, forward motion with the football. Oh, okay. Wow, no fumble. Incomplete pass. Yeah. For the second down. And yet another opportunity for Saskatchewan. Unbelievable. Oh, that's a big break for the Riders. Wow. Twenty-eight seconds remaining. Twenty to thirteen. The Blue Bombers lead. They and don't even lose yardage on that. No. And Fajardo from the Bomber 24 looks at a third and 10. Back to pass is Fajardo. Steps up and fires and it's, oh no, it went off the hands of Marcus Sales and into the arms of the rider receiver at the five yard line with 20 seconds left. That's impossible. I can't. Marcus Sales with the perfect break on that football. He read it. He understood. He cut underneath, deflected that pass, almost picked it off. Oh, you got it. You got to be kidding. Impossible. First and goal, Riders at the Bomber five yard line. Shotgun, 20 seconds remaining. 
Back to pass. Pressure coming. Fajardo caught from behind and down at the eight-yard line. The ball came out, but he was down. 14 seconds left. Terry from the eight-yard line. Fajardo back to pass. Into the end zone, and it's knocked away by Brandon Alexander with four seconds left. That's two near interceptions by players in the Bomber secondary on this game-ending drive here. 20 to 13, the Bombers lead. The Riders are third and goal at the Blue Bomber eight-yard line. Last play of the fourth quarter, barring a penalty, is it the last play of the game? We're about to find out. Pajardo, shotgun, back to pass. Into the end zone, hits the upright, and it's incomplete, and that's the game. There's no flags on the field. It's been a long time since I've been able to say this, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to the Great Cup. That was okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I it's like you forget half of the, like the oh my gosh, unbelievable. Impossible. Bombers versus Hamilton Tiger Cats in the 100th and 107th Grey Cup in Calgary on Sunday. Can't wait. We're going to have all kinds of fun this week as we talk football and get ready for the big game. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Forte. And there's a headline at globalnews.ca about a sour toe cocktail. The creator of the legendary sour toe cocktail has died. His name Dick Stevenson. Uh, Stephen, or also known as Captain Dick. And he created this drink that is a shot of whiskey with a pickled human toe inside it. And is that even legal? I, well, it, <laughs> the, the history of this, from what I gather, it goes back to like prohibition to 1920 uh, in the 1920s and involved uh, like a frostbite. Anyway, the, like, a, more... like a miner or something, right? Or a prospector and he got frostbite, right? Lost yeah. his toe? Yeah. So I don't know how, why this is now a thing, but apparently there's a club, the shift with Drex overnight. They were talking about this. And if you do this... This shot, you get a membership card into this club. I think there's like, I think I heard 42,000 people or it's something. There's 42,000 people, part of it, and there's just one rule. You can drink it fast, you can drink it slow, but your lips must touch that gnarly toe. Yeah. And it's just, it's not like there's a bunch of different toes. It's one toe that's touched the lips of 43,000 people, and then it goes back into the jar. What keeps this toe from uh, decomposing? Something in the pickle? I don't know. They've pickled it. <laughs> you yeah. have to, I actually about five minutes ago was like, I'd do that. What's the big deal? It, because in my mind, I was actually picturing a toe. But if you go to our website, it just, it looks like a, like a, like a, like a larvae, like a bug smushed up. Like it's gross. It's gr- more gross oh, than the actual toe sounds? would be. Okay. So now I'm out. I was in. I was in three minutes ago, but I'm out. I would have done it if it looked like a toe, I think, because it would just be part of the thing. This looks like. Like ugh. a prune or something. No, like yeah. worse. Yeah. I'd do it. You do it for it, Jay? Yeah, but I need to have a, a few uh, drinks before doing it. <laughs> so you, you would need to pregame yes. to get ready for the big event. Absolutely. So that I mean, none of us have tried this, but it got us thinking about the weirdest things that we've ever tried. Like, for example, Greg, uh, you remember when I ate those crickets on our afternoon show? Those, oh, those I will not crickets? ever forget it. Yeah, it was a bag of uh, of crickets that were, I, can't, I think they were barbecue flavored. Yeah, just in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, I saw those, uh, there's a place the fork's now closed, but yeah, they were selling those and... They're in salt and vinegar, and I was like, actually, that looks like it probably tastes pretty good. They weren't bad, to be honest. I just did, as long as I didn't look at what I was eating, I wouldn't have you had you just handed it to me and I did a blind taste test, and I would have thought, yeah, that tastes like a cricket because I don't know what a cricket tastes like in the wild. So, yeah, but uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever had, Jeff? Uh, nothing. He doesn't eat condiments. <laughs> I guess he's not tried nothing. anything. I'm not, I'm a, I used to be a very picky eater. I'm not a very adventurous eater. Sour cream. Nor drinker. Yeah. So what would be the, the craziest thing sour you've cream. ever eaten? Like sour, cream. yeah. sour cream's the craziest thing you've ever eaten. And I've only had a little bit of it. Oh. Wow. My gra- when I was 17, my grandma offered, put a $100 bill on the table and a spoonful of sour cream and said, eat it and it's yours, and I wouldn't do it. So Jeff. 
Yep. Come on. <laughs> I've, uh, when we were little and I, we spent a little bit of time in Zimbabwe, my dad was working there and we had flying termites, which were, which I'm guessing would be much like the Crickets. cricket. It's it almost, it honest to God, was like a sunflower seed because it was just crunchy and salty. But the thing that was hard about it is that you could eat them and it's, it's like a seasonal delicacy. But then you also, there was a time where we caught them and cooked them. So then you're catching them, taking their wings off, putting it on like a barbecue Salting it and eating it, and that was hard. It was very much like... Did you name them first? Yeah, here's little Susie. <laughs> Down the hatch, Susie. No. But I would still taste it okay. And and it's kind of one of those things like when in Rome, you know, you're there and you're like, I should try this. This is part of something that's done here, so I'll called? give it a shot. What are they called? It's a flying termite. Interesting. A flying termite. Here, I've got it up here. It looks kind of like a bee, to be honest with you. Uh, they're on the menu at uh, Zimbabwe oh, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's second. It's second most popular insect cuisine after oh, the, the worm, the Mopani oh. worm. So there you go. Yeah, I I kind of feel like when you go to places, so I could see myself if I was in, say, you're in Dawson City in Yukon, and that's something that you do. Like when you go to is it Newfoundland that has screech. Yeah. When you're in Czech Republic, it's very much it's absinthe, it's, which is also like a terrible, terrible drink. And you just do it because it's you're there. One of the weirdest shots I've ever had actually was with you, Greg, last year at the company Christmas party at oh, Bailey's. Yes, I remember that. What was the, the the shot? Are you allowed to say it on the air? Maritime shooters. Maritime shooters. Yeah, you you get rye and coke, rum and coke, whatever you like, and you grab the ice out of your drink, throw it on the ground in an angry fashion, and then consume the drink all in one fell swoop. Well, that sounds just fun. Well, that's yeah, yeah. that's normal. That's, that's Kelly's Monday night. That's what he's, that's what he's got going on at home tonight. Going down. Yeah. I think it's fun to do those that stuff. You wouldn't do it, Jeff Braun, no. if you were like in the place and they I were drink like, light beer and that's it. So no, you can put light beer in a shot glass and I'll do it. But are you, are, no, and what's this great? Um, your boys, they are they into the Jagermeister already? Well, one would think. We were watching the hockey game on Saturday afternoon. We had a curling bond spiel and. Fortunately, the games lined up so that I could watch the Jets game Saturday afternoon. And my boys go, Dad, why are they advertising Jägermeister on the hockey boards? Bigger question, boys. Why and how do you know what Jägermeister is? And uh, they just giggled and laughed. But they thought it was weird that they were advertising the Jägermeister on the boards at the hockey game. And I, I thought... You probably wouldn't see that in Canada. I don't think. Maybe no, you, you would. Budweiser. Oh, Budweiser, Budweiser like Crown Royal. I know, but Jägermeister. Like they said, why do you drink that? I said, basically, you drink Jägermeister to get drunk. <laughs> you don't drink it for fun because there's nothing fun about Jägermeister. I like Jägermeister. Like to like. I wouldn't a, sip as it. a consumable. Yeah, like, I like doing shots of Jäger. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you said be a what was a stomach tonic or something. You something to, bizarre you like that. Sell it in the medicine part of the store, I believe. <laughs> We got a couple of text messages on weird stuff that people have, that our listeners have tried, whether it's a drink or food, inspired by this sour toe cocktail, because the man who created the sour toe cocktail, which is a shot of whiskey and a pickled human toe in uh, Dawson City in Yukon, he has died. And uh, apparently they're one of our listeners. Well, Loren, you harvested some text messages here. Well, Kevin says that he actually did the sour toe, that they... First got their sourdough, sourdough, I wish, sour toe certificate in 2017. Uh, they returned to the Yukon this year, and they actually sat with Captain Dick, who was the man behind the drink in September, says he was an awesome gentleman, and they're really going to miss him on their trip there to Dawson City when they go next year. So that's pretty cool. They were number 80,000 to have taken that drink. And then, Holy Greg, crow. you noticed a couple other things. Someone has tried a kangaroo burger. Yeah, tried a kangaroo burger. Super gamey and red. Also... Gator bites, deep fried tail, tastes like swamp. <laughs> One and done for both. I've had crocodile, and, I, and? It, it had so much sauce on it that you couldn't know. I've, I've had ostrich too. It's the same thing. Like tastes once, like chicken. Wait, ostrich really did taste like chicken, but it is a giant bird. Yeah, so that makes sense. Oh, I think actually maybe one of the weirdest things I've ever tried, and this is about fifteen years ago, and I feel guilty admitting this out loud because I I think it's outlawed. Now, uh, shark fin soup. Mm. I was at a wedding, and it was at a restaurant uh, on King Street, and 
I'd never had it, and I didn't know it was a thing. And it looked like I was eating a bowl of hair. Oh. Like, it was just all these weird strands. Sort of shredded, right? Yeah, it was strange. Did it taste good? It tasted amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. It, huh. was, it, was, so it, was, it was strange because it looked disgusting, and it tasted awesome. But then I later found out what goes into harvesting that, and uh, yeah, I feel bad. I'm such a visual eater, and the texture is a big deal to me. So tell me, how do you get past that visual stop sign and go, yeah, I'm going to try this anyway, just mind over matter? I just closed my eyes and popped it in and and, uh, tried it. Just took the big spoonful and thought... Well, this looks weird, but it tastes great, so I'm just going to power through this and enjoy it. Well, maybe Eddie Vedder said it best from Pearl Jam. Maybe you are the better man. (laughs) I don't know about that. Maybe a slightly more adventurous. And, hey, it's going to be an adventurous weekend in Calgary for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, you had to see it to believe it, or maybe hear it to believe it, Loren McNabb. Yeah, I think, and it's fair to say when it was all said and done, I know I felt this way, even when the clock had stopped and we knew that they had won and we knew they had punched their ticket to the Grey Cup, I was still catching my breath. And if I'm being honest, like kind of saying, did that really just happen? Like pinching yourself, right? Because it felt like it kept going back and forth and back and forth. And, and I, I thought we were going to lose it in the end. Even one of our listeners echoed your sentiments listening back to the replay. <laughs> when I was making that package of highlights, my palms got sweaty. It's like, is it going to end differently this time? Yeah. You can't help but wonder. <laughs> yeah, one of our listeners wrote to say, just listen to that made me nervous all over again. And so we wanted to share some of your reactions on the post-game show with Bob Irving and Doug Brown last night. I want to congratulate the Bombers on the win. What a game. My heart was stopped halfway through the last part of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. I had to take Nitro. I tell you, it was uh, an excellent game. Bomber fans are emotionally exhausted. Now only one more win and we've got it. I can only, you know, I know some Bomber fans. I know lots of them who, as they live and die with this team, that's a term we use in sport all the time, but I can only imagine them in the last two or three, yeah, you're one of them, in the last two or three minutes of this game. Oh. (laughs) God, (laughs) it must have been hard to watch. Was it hard to watch? Oh, my wife was crying. It's been a long time since I've been able to say this, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to the Great Cup. If you guys would have told me before seeing this game that in the last 10 minutes, Saskatchewan's going to be within our 20-yard line and all the shenanigans that went on, I don't know if I could have watched that game. I would have had to just say forget it. But um, just as this team never gave up, the one thing, you know, a lot of us callers and people, we've been pretty hard on the coaching staff. And, you know, the coaching staff never gave up this year. Look at the changes they made in the secondary. Look at bringing in Caleros. I mean, this is as much about, I think, management and coaching staff. And in fairness, you know, they really do need a shout-out because we've been hard on them. But they've kept the ship going. And without those changes, I don't know, I don't think we would have maybe not even gotten past Calgary. I already got some gray hairs coming out of my beard, and I think I sprouted about another 35 or so out in, uh, in my beard. So, I mean, it, it was stressful. It was crazy. It was dramatic. And, uh, I again, hope Harris plays uh, a more so important role because he's from Winnipeg, right? He's from yep. Winnipeg. And that guy really does want to win it for this city. I'm sure the whole team wants to win it for this city, but Andrew Harris is, that was awesome seeing them carrying the flag out there today. It was awesome. I wanted to share that last clip about Andrew Harris because I think if a lot of people have uh, a person they think of once that game is won and you know someone's on their way to the Grey Cup and you think, oh, that's so nice for so-and-so, right? And I think for a lot of Winnipeggers, um, that's who they might be thinking of. It'll be really great for Andrew Harris to get back in that game and also hopefully, fingers crossed, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it in this room, hopefully one week today, Greg, we are having an even better conversation. Yeah, you can say it, just as long as you keep those fingers crossed as you do so. Uh, 1A is Andrew Harris, 1B for me is Nick Dembski, another Winnipegger, former University of Manitoba Bison, who actually was drafted by the Rough Riders and then came home of his own volition as a free agent and was huge in the game last week in Calgary, had a couple of very key plays, had a couple of very key plays yesterday, and if 
not for his own offside on a play, would have had a 56-yard touchdown early in the game. So uh, Nick Dembski uh, gets a huge shout-out of appreciation from me. I just uh, am a huge fan of the young man, what he does, what he brings to this team. I think he's underappreciated, underrated, and I echo the sentiments of that last caller, Loren, Brett, a huge shout-out to the coaches and management for just grinding it out, just as the Bombers have grinded out some victories down the stretch here. The whole organization, I think, is grounded out in terms of not quitting and making sure that they go out and they do what they need to do, getting new players, not being afraid to insert them in the lineup. Uh, just an absolutely uh, phenomenal season. It ended, or it's 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 progressing the way a lot of people imagined it would at the beginning of the season. But I don't think you would have written the script that we've had to follow over the last twenty two weeks or so. So here's my call out today. We talked a couple weeks ago about why doesn't Winnipeg or Winnipeg get as excited around Bomber playoff time as we do around Jets playoff time? Good point. So here it is. It's Monday. We now know we're going to the Grey Cup. What are we going to do for the next seven days to make this special, really special? This is These moments don't come very often. We know that. So we, let's have some fun, but let's think about how we're going to support the team if that's something that we're into, which we are, at least in this room. And Digital signs, at, et cetera. But just looking at the social media, it didn't matter whether it was Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All I, could, all I saw last night mm-hmm. from all walks of life was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Fans yeah. excited about the Bombers. So that's good to see because we're going back to the Grey Cup and we, we're saying it. Well before the season even began, just based on the moves the team was making, it just felt different. It felt like this team, they had, they didn't, obviously you want to win every year, but it felt like this team singularly was focused on getting that great cup. And here we are, one week to go, and they went to Calgary and took down the evil empire. They went to Saskatchewan <laughs> and beat the Rough Riders. The too. eviler empire. Yeah, they, I like how you've adopted it. Bob Irving that called him the yeah. evil empire. I well, love it. Yeah, I mean, they had to, They. I didn't think they stood a chance in Calgary just because of their history there. Sure, and then I fair. thought, oh, they're not going to win in Saskatchewan. They, 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 can they do it back to back? And sure enough, they did. So here we go. Let's, uh, let's get rid of, let's take down Hamilton Bombers. Well, as we've been telling you exclusively this morning on Global News and CJOB, True North is working with police, the city of Winnipeg, and the downtown biz to tackle crime and safety issues in our downtown. And as part of that partnership, True North has actually gone out and hired a former Winnipeg police superintendent. His name is Greg Burnett, and he will be a new director of safety initiatives. And he was actually one of a number of Winnipeg officials who traveled to Minneapolis recently to look at their system of dealing with very similar issues. What I saw was a really great work relationship between all their partners. Uh, they have an independent governance structure there that sets it apart. They're able to make decisions uh, on uh, what's best for the downtown uh, without a lot of uh, bureaucracy. Not that that's not a bad thing, but it certainly works well down there. Uh, the other thing I noticed was uh, just, again, those relationships and the information sharing that they do. They're really good at uh, sharing their data, sharing their information, again, making the right decisions uh, based on those circumstances and deploying the right resources to go and tap whatever those problems or issues that they're encountering in that downtown. So basically we're adopting, Winnipeg is adopting Minneapolis's strategy. It'll be a template for what we try to do here. Uh, Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli, as well as our own Richard Kluge, spent some time with police security and members of the Minneapolis Downtown Improvement District. And here's Richard's report. Downtown Minneapolis on a cold November day. A city that's booming. $750 million of investment in each of the past eight years. New and renovated office towers, retail, apartments, condominiums. It's more than doubled the population from 25 to over 50,000. And like every North American city, there's crime, homelessness, people struggling with mental health and addictions issues. We are here at the beautiful intersection of 5th and Hennepin in downtown Minneapolis. It's one of our busier intersections in downtown. It's where our our one light rail line uh, comes into downtown and it meets with our oldest street. This was the the first street to have a bridge that crossed the Mississippi River in the country. That's Ben Shardlow. He's with the Downtown Improvement District, DID for short. Like our Winnipeg downtown biz, it's largely funded by the businesses that pay a levy for marketing the area. But spending on safety is key to that strategy. The safety outcomes here have not been very good. Uh, We have had a number of issues with late night violent crime uh, and we've had a number of issues with people here using transit. This is kind of the intersection of two major transit routes. 
Uh, and it's a major concern as we want to increase transit ridership for people to feel safe. Uh, and we haven't been able to do that as well as we'd like even during the day. No one we talked to glossed over this problem. They acknowledge they have violent crime in downtown Minneapolis. Right now we're seeing a spike in uh, theft from motor vehicles. Obviously people leaving their keys in their cars to keep it warm. These smart fobs are a great example. So keeping on the trends real time is really important and understanding where the patterns are coming to try to prevent and mitigate some of those issues from happening. If you had asked me a month ago, um, smart keys being left in cars, that probably wouldn't have been on my radar. It is today. Shane Zahn is in charge of safety for dead. So Richard, most of your vertical buildings here have really robust security operations centers. So you're hearing them all checking in right now with our safety communications. And the key takeaway from our trip, the visible and not so visible security. It starts with closed circuit monitoring, police, transit cameras, the offices, the malls. It's an impressive network. Operators, we have roughly 60 buildings on this program. Um, you'll hear them called out, um, checking in with our safety communication center. So about the force multiplier. For every one officer that's out there, we probably have 15 private security assets out in our downtown. For every one camera that the police department has, there's probably 50 times that in the private sector. So. Being able to communicate is an important part of our safety strategy. It's pretty simple. They all talk to each other on radios and online in real time. Our police officers can get to this comm group too. So it's on the 800 megahertz system. It's just kind of, uh, the, the radios are rented through the police department um, for $52 a month. And it's managed by DID. We're in the police operations daily, not weekly, monthly, or yearly, daily, hourly. And that's the other simple thing. Zahn's office is in the Minneapolis Police First Precinct headquarters, just down the hall from Inspector Bill it Peterson. It is an extraordinary partnership, and we're able to work on any type of issue that pops up very, very rapidly because we have those resources all working together out of the same And building. then you realize just how vital the CCTV is to this whole operation, dealing with crimes in progress and as an investigative tool. I like to say that a picture's worth a thousand words, a video's worth a million. 1,794 cameras registered with the police department that, that are camera assets out in the field. Um, with the communication network, we've had 96 incidents that we've set communications for help with investigations that leveraged over 748 camera assets in an area to help solve crimes. Um, so this tool is a vital tool for helping almost like a phone directory to where those camera assets are and how they we can put in an incident location and it'll pull those camera assets around there and know who to contact for help for investigations or resources. Quick traffic note, southbound on Osborne, there's a stalled bus just past Jubilee in the curb lane. Again, Osborne, southbound, stalled bus just past Jubilee in the curb lane. Richard Kluge joins us now live. And Richard, can you tell us about some of the crimes they have solved in Minneapolis? Well, in some cases, it is those uh, car thefts in progress. And uh, a robbery that we'll tell you about later today was a string of robberies, violent robberies. And that partnership really helped solve that crime. And I believe we have some video from that as well that we'll show you online at cjob.com and on global television tonight at 6 o'clock. So they're nimble. They're able to deal with crimes in progress. And you know what's refreshing is that they're not trying to do a chamber of commerce on us. They admit that they have problems in Minneapolis, but through their communication systems, through all those cameras, they're able to solve longer-term crimes and crimes in progress. And I'll tell you, guys, right now we need to put a lot more cameras in downtown Winnipeg, and we need to put, if we're going to um, emulate this strategy in Minneapolis, a lot more um, resources from police, ambassadors, et cetera, when you do the comparisons, and we'll give you those uh, those numbers a little bit later on, but when you do those comparisons, it, it pales. Uh, our downtown footprint in Winnipeg is larger than Minneapolis downtown, but you know what? You feel safe in Minneapolis. I can't say you feel safe in, in Winnipeg at all. Richard, that power of being under one roof and that ability for these different organizations to look one another in the eye and communicate face-to-face, -face, talk about the value they see in that. Every day, every day. Um, Shane Zahn is in the first district police headquarters. He's just down the hall from the inspector. Next to the inspector is a community prosecutor. So they're talking to each other. Um, all the security, all those assets in downtown Minneapolis along the new Nicolette Mall, they're all 
um, linked together. So that's an example of communication in real time. It makes great sense. We'll have more coming up after 10 o'clock with Jeff Courier, where we really take a look at um, the ins and outs of Minneapolis and how we can apply it here in Winnipeg. 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier joining us live on The Start. Much more over the next three days here on CJOB and on Global Winnipeg. We are celebrating all things Winnipeg today because of this. It's been a long time since I've been able to say this, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to the Great Cup. Oh, what a sweet sound to hear Bob Irving say that. And don't ever, I know we joke a lot about me and sportsings. Don't ever mistake the fact that I'm not a huge sports guy to that I, A, don't like sports, and B, do not support our teams. This is a huge thrill that the Bombers are going back to the Grey Cup. And I've been enjoying paying more attention this year to the Bombers, largely because I've gone to see some games. And what I like is how it brings people together. I was sitting around at home yesterday thinking, I guess I should watch the game, but do I want to watch it by myself? So Mm -hmm. I just texted my buddy Ken and said, are you and your boys watching the game tonight? And your your wife says, well, unfortunately, the wife can't. And she's the most boisterous of the bunch. Oh, really? So it uh, would have been more fun, I think, had she been there. Sorry, Kent. But uh, she had to work. But still, I went and hung out with... My friend and his kids and watch the game. Plus, it's turn... an excuse to eat. Oh, great like it's food. Always, I always think, like, I could be, like, half interested in a game and be like, okay, I'm going to go get some wings and <laughs> yeah. we're going to make some nachos. And my husband will be like, do you even know who's playing? I was like, irrelevant. To <laughs> it what, does is, what is happening right now? matter. I turned down three or four invitations because I just really just wanted to watch the game by myself mm-hmm. at home. And then my kids guilted me into going somewhere. And I had a great time. The people whose home I went to, they knew I came, not reluctantly because I don't like them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but because I would have preferred, at least in advance of the game, to be alone. It turned out just fine. We had a great time and celebrated heartily. Yeah, but... you tweeted out the celebration. Oh, man. At GMACWPG, have a look. It's great. I'm still, uh, my head's still killing. My kids My kids had such a great time. Yeah, and on the subject of eating, we ordered Santa Lucia pizza which was great because I, I had, it had been so long since I had ordered it. I just had it on Friday and oh. I was like, well, it's only been, it's been two days. I got to have more. Double so. play. <laughs> Santa Lucia. Hello. Yeah. I went to my dad's on Saturday and we ordered some pizza. So hey, at the end of this segment, by the way, we have, we haven't given anything away yet today. We do have a prize and this is a special one. We have one radar, radon, pardon me, radon detector kit in support of Manitoba Lung Association's Tackle Radon campaign and an autographed photo of the spokesperson, Adam Big Hill. Yeah, you know, uh, radon is a huge concern, not only in Manitoba, but Saskatchewan. Some of the highest levels of radon gas seeping out of the ground into our homes anywhere in the world. And so the Lung Association concerned because that radon gas can cause respiratory issues and there are mitigation plans and there is equipment that you can get to get rid of that radon. But if you close your eyes to it, it's very easy to do, odorless, sightless. The only way to know is if with one of these testing kits. So I think a lot of people want to be getting their hands on this to learn exactly what state their their home is in. So we will give that away at the end of this segment, which will take us to New Zealand because I'm on the 680 CJOB Instagram yesterday getting ready to add some, some posts and I see that we've been tagged in a post and the post reads all the way from New Zealand with this man, the CJOB listener, wearing a Milt Stiegel jersey over a Winnipeg Jets t-shirt and a Winnipeg Jets hat. So I thought, well, let's have a chat with this guy. I spoke to him at 4 a.m. today, which was 11 p.m. Monday night over there. His name is Richard Sylvester, proud Winnipegger in New Zealand. Yes, born born, in, born and raised Winnipeg, Manitoba. What are you doing over in New Zealand? So I came over here to do my Ph.D. in sports science. So I'm, uh, my topic is sprinting and youth female athletes, uh, cross-maturation. So I basically just came here um, with some irrational confidence just to see if I could find a scholarship. And um, after about a year, I was successful. And so I'm uh, about a year and a half into my PhD. What did you say? Irrational confidence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't know anyone when I came here. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just kind of 
moved here without any prospects and, you know, just eventually found my way to get into the program that I wanted. And um, I got my, my school paid for and yeah, I'm about, uh, about halfway done. Why New Zealand? Um, it's got a good reputation for um, sports science and post-grad degrees specifically um, through the Auckland University of Technology. So um, I've been following the work of um, a few key professors for a number of years. And so it's kind of New Zealand or bust, really. What city do you live in? So I live in uh, the city of Tauranga, and um, it's a suburb called Mount Monganui. So it's basically like a, like a beach suburb um, on the, basically south of the main city, Auckland. I know he didn't say Tirana. That's what I heard. But I also heard beach suburb. I'd like to be able to say that someday. Yeah, Taronga. Sounds tough. Yeah, it sounds like he's got a real hard life over (laughs) in beautiful New Zealand. As for the Bomber game, he was able to watch it online, but he watched it alone. Yeah, I did, yeah. My coworkers kind of didn't want to be around me. I was too loud. Your colleagues, have they learned anything at all about Canadian football thanks to you? Uh, A little bit, I guess. Yeah, just a, a tiny bit. I tell them whether they want to know or not. So what was your reaction to the win? Ah, I mean, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. I've been, you know, um, it's one of those things, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for them to, you know, kind of win the big one, you know, unsuccessful in 2007, unsuccessful in 2011. Um, you know, so just kind of waiting for a big win, you know. So I, I love the Bombers with all my heart. And, and um, yeah, so I've just been on cloud nine all day. Can the Bombers beat Hamilton? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they're firing on all cylinders, stout defense, effective offense. And, uh, yeah, I think think the football gods uh, might be in our favor this year. Richard Sylvester, a proud Winnipegger living in New Zealand as he goes to school. Big Bomber fan. He tagged us on Instagram yesterday, so we wanted to reach out to him. And and this kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier, how sports, and in particular right now, how the Bombers are bringing people together. Because here's a guy on the other side of the planet, and we Mm -hmm. just had a chat about football and his love of the Bombers and his love, clearly, of Winnipeg. Are, does anyone have a problem with someone jumping on the bandwagon right now? I know if you've been a long-suffering fan for X number of years, what is it again, 29? Am I doing the math wrong? 19? 1997. <laughs> yes, then yes, you would be doing the math wrong. 1990, 28 seasons. Right. right? So if do we you lo- have a problem if someone just today is like, you know what, I'm going to get on this Grey Cup bandwagon. Does that bug you? But it used to bug me when my mom would start watching the games. Like, Mom, where have you been all year? It's like <laughs> you're going to jinx them. But it worked out uh, in 84 in particular. I remember yelling at her because she decided to watch the game with us. But no, I think the more the merrier, right? This mm-hmm. is about bringing Manitoba together and, and fans from all across the world. Because there are Winnipeggers everywhere who wear blue and gold proudly everywhere they go. We've converted some foreigners, yep. including my friend Scott Mortland, so excited about the fact the Bombers are going to Calgary for a Grey Cup. And, uh, you know, he's only been a fan for three years, but he travels all over, has been to Winnipeg five times to see them play in person. So uh, I would say uh, the more, the merrier. Plain and simple. Yeah, I You agree. know what I want to see from Richard? In his next video, I want him to create a haka. From New Zealand, like the rugby team does, the yeah. New Zealand rugby but team does, bombers. but for the Bombers. Oh. That's his challenge. That's Richard a great Sylvester idea. is to get a bunch of New Zealanders together and make a haka for the blue and gold. Okay. I just found the one silver lining. We were just talking last month about all the people who move and leave Manitoba and how yeah. it's a concern that all these people yes. go and don't come back per se. But mm. when they go, a lot do go to Calgary. So the one good thing good point. will be this weekend, you will see a lot of Winnipeggers in that stance just because of that. That's no. it. There's the positive. I, there's there's all kind. There are all kinds of positives <laughs> on this, and we're going to have lots of positive stuff to talk about all week long. I'm so excited just to get up and and, and go. This is going to be a fun week. It is going to be work. fun. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb at five degree high. Going to be nice, but uh, it's not going to be long. Before no. winter takes hold. I actually thought we were there last week, but it was nice to get that bit of a break over the weekend. It felt much, much nicer. But Well, the snow's gone. The snow's gone. It was kind of like some puddles were out. We put our sh- shoes back on and the boots back in the closet just for a little bit, a wee bit, if you m- don't mind me saying. Uh, <laughs> but we're talking about that this morning because the Weather Network has basically suggested that Old Man Winter has been taking stair- ward, stair- Star Wars 
That's what Old Man Winter has been taking. Old Man Winter has been taking his <laughs> steroids. Oh. Uh, their chief meteorologist is saying that there's going to be a long, cold, and messy season for much of Canada. Uh, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, it'll be frigid. The same goes for Ontario and Quebec, where winter already got an early start last week. And the only place it won't be super cold is Atlantic Canada. And guess where else? B.C. 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 has a perfect forecast coming up for the winter. And not only that, it's the only part of the country where spring is going to show up early. Oh, good. Which is the part. Because they need the help on that. Because they need the help, right? Because winter is usually typically so brutal in British Columbia. It's nice (laughs) to see them finally getting a respite from old man winter. I know. They deserve it, right? Oh, good old British Columbia. Who doesn't have a friend in Victoria or Vancouver that sends you photos of their flowers like all the time? It's February. And you're like, the tulips are blooming. And you just are basically giving them the virtual finger. Like, get lost. I don't want to see your flowers. That's the best part about gifts now. You don't have to give them the virtual finger you can find a gif <laughs> doing just about anything you want it to and send it to them it's yeah. it's fantastic yeah when i hear about people golfing all year round in british columbia i just think oh. do you seethe yeah a little bit and, and then there was one point where i even thought should i be moving to bc it is nice to get the break from golf you know what bc does stand for it does stand for bring cash because it's super expensive. Everything's expensive there. So, you know, just so you feel a little bit better about not making that decision. Yeah. yeah. No, that does help me. And, and, and I know I, I have, I only thought about it very temporarily, although I might find myself thinking about it again because I don't know how it is for you guys, but I find with each passing winter, it gets harder to deal with it, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or if it's just with each year, I just get more annoyed with it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the last couple of years, for sure, because we've had such terrible falls, the winter does seem longer. So, like, the forecast coming from the Weather Network, this long-term forecast, you know, there'll be... Um Colder temperatures in southern prairies. Uh, you're going to see a lot more cold. The cold's going to anchor down for longer. It's going to be more frozen than thawed. They say all those things, and you're kind of like, yeah, I get that. That's kind of seems like a typical winter in Manitoba, except for when you just came off like a crazy snowstorm pre-Thanksgiving, a wet and cold September. And so we've had at least two of those that have been really rough, Brett. So your last couple of years, if you're saying it's been harder to get through the winter, it's because winter feels like it starts like but sooner. We sooner. What about the precipitation? What are they saying about precipitation levels on the prairies? Are they making any predictions there? Yeah, like when they say it's going to be messy, does that mean it's going to just be frigid? Lots? The same for Ontario and Quebec. Scott says winter got an early, but they're not really saying about whether we can expect a ton of snow or not. Uh, messy? Uh, I don't messy, know. Messy means snow to me, but I, you're right. That's a good point. There is no note on precipitation, and I, I think for me too. That changes how winter feels as well. I can handle the cold as long as I don't have to shovel a ton of snow so is that, out in the cold. And I was just thinking, I was just thinking, should I even ask this question out loud? What would you prefer? Mild, but lots of snow. Oh. And not necessarily, like, you can define lots of snow however you want. More than usual. Uh, or cold, 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 but not a ton of snow. I can deal with that. That's a hard one because the lots of snow usually means the clouds are gray or the sky is Correct. gray. No, so then that's hard. That's more of a psyche thing that bugs me. Mm-hmm. Like that's also I think why it wasn't just that it was wet and cold in September, October. We is didn't that see the sunshine. We didn't shine. see the sun. And November is traditionally the month where you see the least amount of sun in any calendar year. But we already had two months of no sun, right? And so for me, when you say I would, I'm inclined to say I would take the mild, but with more snow as long as there was sun. That's fair. But cold typically means clear and cold. So the sunshine, and if we are living up to our stated mantra around here, I'll take 20, minus 20, and sunshine any day of the year over minus 2 and wet. So we'll see. We might get to find out this year. I don't know. Bob Irving's going to join us after Global News at 9.30. When he said that the Bombers are going to the Grey Cup, it almost sounded like, and he tries very hard. Mm -hmm. He's so good at being objective and not showing his colors. But did you feel like his voice was emotional? There was some, well, here, I've got the, Greg pulled the clip right here. Let's just play it again. What does Bob Irving say? It's been a long time since I've been able to say this, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to the Great Cup. 
Maybe it's just because we're all so emotional. Yeah. So you hear it? Oh, you you sound so emotional. It's probably just, maybe he's not. I think you have a tear in your eye when you hear that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do because, and it's more than football. And I think some people think, oh, it's just all about the sports. It's not. It's actually not. Uh, hockey for me and football was about times when I used to get to spend time with my dad. Right. And with my brothers. And it was something that we had in common, this love of our teams. And so it was guaranteed time with them. We grew up in Brandon, and we were lucky enough that the Bomber home games and away games, like when I was younger, when I was in those formative years, from the time I was in grade four to grade seven, we were in Brandon. And so we were outside of that blackout zone they used to have for television. So we would get to see the games from Winnipeg if we weren't here at the games, as well as the road games. So it was uh, always kind of an appointment where we had three hours together to commiserate, to celebrate, to cry, to cheer, mostly cry and to just have that common bond. And it was the same with the hockey. And so when the when the Jets left, that was the devastating part, was losing that common tie with my brothers and that thing that we all loved that was exactly the same, even though we didn't necessarily agree all the time on uh, the on the way that the team should be playing or what they should be doing, but we, we had that common love. And that's what the Blue Bombers represent for me. I was lucky enough the Bombers won the Grey Cup in 84 when I was in grade 10, and then they won again in 1990, and uh, they won in 88. And so I've seen the Grey Cup celebrations. I was at Portage in Maine in 1990 when the Bombers beat Edmonton, in, in Vancouver, 50 to 11, and that was a great party. I was in my 20s, early 20s, and so it was a great time, and it brought the community together. We saw what the Jets did with the whiteout parties and their run a couple of years ago, and that's the way it was with the Bombers. They were that tie that that bound us together, and to see them doing again is is super special. That was a solid, just off the top of your head, Little sort of soliloquy you delivered there. Greg. I'm surprised that it didn't break down I'm halfway so, through. So it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It, it's very touching. This means a lot. That it means was, a lot that to the community. Would, that could have been. That could be a really good commercial. Well, so it brings you together. It's like a Hallmark ad or a card or a Tim Hortons or. I don't know. Liquor. <laughs> Just in case your family doesn't get along. <laughs> in the case of the 1990 Grey Cup, yeah, that would have been a... Follow me around for about five hours that day. That would have been a really good liquor commercial. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll leave it there. We'll I have think. to pull that audio and set it to music and... Uh, and, uh, well, I'll see. I'll, I might do something fun with that. I actually remember the day before that game, I gave some guys a ride home. Their car wouldn't start in the parking lot at the A. Okay. At the Cinnaboyne Gordon Inn. The big A. The big wanking A. And I said, what's going on, guys? Ah, <laughs> oh, car won't start, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'll give you a ride. No problem. They lived over by Grant Park Mall. Mm-hmm. I drove them home and I said, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, nowadays you might be like, you're going to get your friends to, to do me off or get rid of do me? Do me off. <laughs> you're, such a, you're such a gangster. Yeah, right? I know. I don't know what they say. But they come out, <laughs> they come out with a two for a beer. And they're like, yeah, we we're on a social tonight and this was left over. Here's a two for a beer for driving us home. Nice. I would have done it regardless, right? And so that was just sort of the beginning of the celebration and just one more example of how that time just really just did bring us together and, and a two for a kokanee didn't hurt. And on the subject of liquor, Laura, uh, Loren is texting us here saying they have to come up with a blue drink for the game, some sort of a blue cocktail for the Grey Cup. There are, good, there are ones out there, maybe a blue and gold cocktail. Mm, Blue Curacao, Galliano, those are blue and gold. Yeah, we can work around with that. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, you've pulled an assortment of Winnipeg-related tunes this morning. Which one is this? This is from our friends at Just TV, which works out of the Broadway Neighborhood Center. Spatch, Lawrence Mulhall, was on the radio with Hal Anderson last week talking about what's going on in that neighborhood. And we were just chit-chatting about the, maybe the dearth of songs, positive songs about Winnipeg on Friday. And Spatch was listening, sent this to me, didn't have time to get it on the air Friday, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to get it on this morning. 
Nice touch. And this is Winnipeg Rocks? Winnipeg Rocks is the name of the song. And actually, Just TV has their annual showcase coming up this Thursday at the West End Cultural Centre. So hoping to get Spatch on to tell us about that. Just TV, really quickly, what it does is it allows at-risk youth to come in. They've got a recording studio in the basement at the Broadway Neighborhood Center. Some incredible equipment. They can do uh, spoken word poetry. They can make videos. They can lay down music. And it's all in an effort to help young people express themselves in a positive fashion. All right. So in the meantime... Bob Irving's going to join us in just a second, but before that, here's Andrew Harris. Andrew Harris joins us from the Bomber locker room. Andrew, congratulations. Hey, you're off to the Grey Cup. Yes, it's a great feeling, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, when I first came back to Winnipeg, I envisioned this, uh, you know, this happening and, and getting to this game and, and obviously going on and winning it, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to step in the right direction, and um, you know, I'm so proud of this organization, uh, my teammates, my coaches. Um, you know, today was the most dramatic game I've ever been a part of, and uh, I was happy to be uh, on the winning side of it. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been involved in some knockdown, drag them out exciting games, but this one might top them all, eh? Yeah, I mean, there's been so many, there were so many ups and downs, momentum shifts, um, you know, big plays, you know, uh, it, it, you know, reviews. I mean, where it could have gone either way, I mean, uh, it, it, was, it was definitely dramatic, and, uh, you know, thank God for that goalpost. I don't know how long it took to play that last minute in real time, but our highlight package took four minutes and 43 seconds to encapsulate it all. Bob Irving, the voice of the Bombers, joins us now. How are you this morning, Bob? Oh, I'm fine. I'm uh, I'm on my way back from Regina. I'm somewhere between Brandon and Winnipeg. I pulled off on a side road here. I'm a little exhausted today. That, uh, that... ending uh, last night was unlike any that I think I've ever seen uh, in these many years. And uh, Doug and I had, we had a ball calling it, but it was, uh, you know, we were on the edge of our, so we were kind of hanging over the edge of the press box and not quite sure what was going to happen. It was back and forth and up and down. And it looked like Saskatchewan had fumbled and the game was over. And then they ruled it was an incomplete pass. And then Marcus Sales nearly made an interception, and then the ball hit the goalpost, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was really something. It was as dramatic as I've seen in a long, long time. Even when you say those things now, we've been laughing all morning about how replaying any of the highlights or talking about it gets your heart rate going all over again. We've had a couple of listeners ask, Bob, how you held it together. Was We know you're so good at being objective and, and making sure you keep your uh, feelings to yourself, but it must have been hard at the very end there to hold the emotions in. Well, I've said many times over the years, Loren, that, uh, you know, my goal is to tell the story, tell the truth, tell what I see and be objective. But I hope the Bombers win every game they play. And you get to know the coaches, you get to know the players, you know how hard the people in the organization have worked. And you can't help uh, but pull for them when you're as close to a team as a play-by-play person is. So, of course, I was hoping they would prevail uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was getting pretty emotional. And I'll tell you what, Doug Brown was emotional too. Uh, Doug uh, cares deeply about this franchise and this organization, and he wanted them to win in the worst way possible. And I guess the one thing neither of us wanted to see was another sort of ending where the Bombers got close but didn't quite get there. And, you know, once again, the the fans who have been so loyal and are wanting so badly for this team to win a Grey Cup would say, here we go again, same old, same old, and that sort of thing. So that plays into it, too. I think if you're in Calgary and the Stampeders win every year and then they have a year where they don't win, it's much easier to say, well, you know what, uh, they've, they've had a lot of victories. But the Bombers haven't had a lot of big victories in recent years. And surely I was, I was hoping they pulled it through yesterday, and they did. And, Bob, at one point you declared, book the airfare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got a little bit ahead of myself. As a matter of fact, I've had some texts from people who who kind of ridiculed me over that. But, hey, you know, I I thought Calaris had fumbled the ball. And if he had, the game was over, basically. And then it turns out they ruled an incomplete pass. And it took, you know, a number of seconds for that to be determined. So I did get ahead of myself for sure. And I make no apologies for that. I'm human. I make mistakes. If I if I made up a list of the mistakes I've made over the years, uh, this show would never end. 
You know that uh, speaking of mistakes, the the play that set up Saskatchewan's opportunity down in the last minute was that punt. As the the we entered the final minute of the game, Bob, and couldn't help but think of 2017 in the Banjo Bowl when the Blue Bombers played a similar trick, if you like, on Saskatchewan, yeah. where they ran towards uh, where the ball wasn't on a punt. Mo Leggett fielded the punt and took it all the way for a touchdown. It was, you know, would have been absolutely heartbreaking had the, the Rough Riders managed to flip the script with the blue bomber trick play late in the game. But how many times can the game actually feel as though it's over? And you reference that Marcus <laughs> sales, almost yeah. interception, Brandon Alexander almost had an interception in the end zone on the second down play before the ball hitting the crossbar, all sorts of, of craziness. How close were we though, Bob, to talking this morning about how many missed opportunities that, that the bombers had to salt this game away going into that fourth quarter? Oh, sure, Greg. We were very close to that. It was one of those games, Mike O'Shea likes to say, and, you know, it's sort of, it's cliche, but, he, you know, he often says that games are decided by two or three or four or five plays that go one way or another. And it really is so true. And the Bombers had chances to do things that they didn't get done. The Riders had chances. And, of course, they were inside the five three times and didn't get a touchdown, which depending on how you look at it, is, uh, you know, an indictment of the Riders' short yardage offense or, uh, you know, praise for how good the Bombers are defensively down near the goal line. There's one player I want to mention, though, this morning, and you talk about that trick play, Greg, where they fooled the Bombers on the punt, and Nick Marshall looks like he might be running for a touchdown. And Shane Goche, number 44 of the Bombers, who's been with the team for six years. He's one of their sort of foot soldiers, these unsung guys who play only on special teams. He refused to quit on that play. And Shane's not the fastest guy in the world, but he was able to muster enough speed to track down Nick Marshall (laughs) and tackle him on around the 30-yard line or we might not be talking about a bomber victory today. Cal Murphy used to have a play called the Bomber Ruski, and I think it was pretty much any trick play the Bombers were doing in the 1980s. But, yeah, to get beaten by a Bomber Ruski by the Rough Riders would have been absolutely <laughs> devastating these parts. We thought that it was going to be all about Andrew Harris and Chris Streveler on the ground. Kudos to yeah. the Rough Riders for, for figuring that out in a way to, to make that almost irrelevant. But... Zach Caleros, on the flip side, said, okay, you want to concentrate on the run? I'm going to go deep on you, and go deep he did. Yeah, basically the writers said, we're going to take your run game away. We know what Andrew Harris is about. We know what Chris Trevler is about. We're going to load up and stop that, and then you go ahead and beat us with the pass. And that's what the Bombers did. Uh, you know, Caleros threw some deep shots to Darvin Adams and Drew Walatarski had Dembski for a touchdown, but Dembski was a little bit offside. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the Bombers answered the Riders' uh, you know, effort to take their run game away by passing the ball as effectively as they have in quite a while. And as we said on our post-game show, where would they be today if they hadn't acquired Zach Kolaris on the trade deadline a day after the Argos' Jim Pop, the general manager, had refused to trade Kolaris to Winnipeg? They fired Pop the day before the deadline. Pinball Clemens took over. And the next day, he traded Zach Kolaris to Winnipeg. How's that for fate, I guess? It's one of those sweetest storylines, and that's why we loved the uh, response from Zach last night. We won't replay it right now. We did. We had the bleeps, I think, in the right spot. But he was laughing because he said he called his wife, and she's like, I'm crying. And he's trying to, you know, he's wondering why she's crying. But I think it's that storyline. You know, if you're in that family and, and the immediate family or the football family, you've watched that journey for him in the last year and a half. And, and here he is at the Grey Cup. Yeah, and that'll be one of the storylines in Calgary all week is his kind of resurrection from all the injuries he's had. And, you know, he was the quarterback for the Ticats in 2014 when they lost a narrow Grey Cup game to Calgary. Uh, He threw for over 300 yards in that Grey Cup game as a Hamilton Tiger Cats and all the other things that have happened to him. And now he goes back to the Grey Cup to play against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So uh, for those of us in the media who look for storylines, we don't have to look very far this week, and uh, Zach Kolaris will be right in the middle of a lot of them. How did the Ticats stack up against the Bombers in terms of they just had to deal with Calgary Stampeders, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, both in their stadiums, and now they're taking on Hamilton. So are the Tiger Cats a stronger team than those two? 
while they're good, they're the best team in the league. They were 15-3 and three this year, Brett, uh, and they're the only team that beat the Bombers soundly this year. The Bombers lost seven games, but only once were they beaten soundly, and it was by Hamilton, and it was at IG Field, and I still remember that game, and the Bombers were never in that game. Now, I, you know, I think that was a one-off, but uh, Hamilton is very, very good. And the Bombers are going to have to muster up another sensational effort if they're going to win the Grey Cup game on Sunday. We talked about this going into that game, and it came to fruition, Bob, the idea going into that game against Hamilton at IG Field. The Bombers had only unsuccessfully rushed for 100 yards in a game once leading into that, and that was against Hamilton. Same thing happened here at IG Field, and the only team that managed to that point run on the Bomber defense for 100 yards were the Tiger Cats, and they did it twice. So I think that's going to take up a big chunk of the conversation as well. Yeah, and that'll make, uh, Greg, that'll make the Tiger Cats a, a betting line favorite, and their record alone would make them favorites. But the fact that they beat the Bombers twice during the regular season uh, they won't be heavy favorites, but they'll be, you know, decided favorites to win the game. But I tell you what, the Bombers just beat Calgary and Saskatchewan in their backyards. And any team that can do that in consecutive weeks, and before those two games, they had beaten the Stampeders again. So they won three in a row against Calgary, Calgary, Saskatchewan. That can't be overlooked. This Bomber team has something going right now. And I'll be the last person on earth to sell them short this Sunday. Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are heading to the Grey Cup. Coaches show tonight, Bob? Coaches show tonight, Brett McGarry. And you know what? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in the Grey Cup. How good does it feel to say that? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We should have started this show with Bob at 6.07 and carried it right on through. Yeah, just have him repeat that throughout the, for four hours. Bob Irving, thank yeah. you for joining us, sir. Much appreciated. Okay, you guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.